0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into another edition of Peaks, Pete's pigskin preview, I should say, not Peaks, Pete's. I'm Neil McCready. That's Pete DeWeese. Here with me as we get ready for Central Arkansas at number 22, Ole Miss. Ole Miss drops a spot in the Associated Press poll despite beating Troy 28-10, to but it's okay. Polls don't matter yet. They really never matter, but they sure as hell don't matter yet. So don't worry about it. Ole Miss has plenty of time to work its way up or down in uh, the polls and and all of those things as we go. We'll get to Pete and uh, talk about Troy and a little bit about Central Arkansas here in a moment. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you each and every week by Walk-On's Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus televisions, more than 40 ice-cold beers on tap. Also, don't forget, if you're watching the game at home or tailgating in the grove, You can let Walk-Ons take care of all of your tailgating needs this season. Inquire today about their family and friends bundles and their tailgate platters. You can order online at walkons.com, or you can go to their extremely convenient and really cool, actually, Walk-Ons app. get lots of rewards there. So if you're in Oxford or if you're in uh, the Jackson area, stop by Walk-Ons in Oxford or Ridgeland, and please tell them that you appreciate them sponsoring this show with Pete DeWeese. Pete, how are you? I'm great. Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. As we uh, take this on a Wednesday evening, we turn our attention a little bit to, we actually have a game to talk about. Last week, we sort of speculated and talked about what might happen and those kind of things, because hell, we didn't know. And uh, now there's a game that's been played. Uh, Ole Miss beat Troy 28 to 10. They jumped out to a 28 to three lead. Looked like they were on their way to a kind of a blowout sort of a game and then got sloppy in the second half, had a a fumble, I don't, I don't know if I have this in chronological order. A fumble, a, a bad snap, an interception. Troy, to its credit, played really hard throughout the game, as you might expect the John Summerall team to do. They scored a late touchdown and ate some clock late in the game, kept Ole Miss's offense off the field, and uh, finished with a twenty-eight to ten Ole Miss win. Rebels now one and zero. They'll get ready for Central Arkansas this Saturday, six p.m. game at Vault Hemingway. You can see it on espn plus need to have your streaming apparatus in order uh for that game it's not going to be on the main sec network channel but you'll be able to see it at espn.com espn plus 6 p.m vault hemingway stadium central arkansas is zero and one after losing to missouri state uh in the first week of the season all right so we'll just kind of talk about old miss and troy i know you've got some uh stuff you want to show us. I've, I think I have shared the screen just so whenever we get to that place, if you want to hit it, go for it. Cause it is your show. Um, just your general overall impressions of Ole Miss after week one, what stood out as a strength, what stood out as something that really has to be worked on.
2: I didn't fully know what to expect. And then, you know, that's one of the things we talked about last week with, with so many people incoming, so many people new in the party. Um, how how are they going to respond and how are they going to jail? And I think you certainly saw evidence that, that there's talent there. You saw evidence that they're starting to come together. Um, but clearly, and, and it's clear in Tiffin's press conferences that they weren't happy with how they finished. And so scheduling is such a an tricky and important thing, you know. Um, and, and when you're dealing with a a fairly young team in a lot of key positions. And, and an inexperienced team at this level, right? So, I mean, some of your better players are guys that maybe they're coming from Central Michigan, and and they perform great, like you want them to do when you roll them out there as a starter, um, but it's it's still different. It's their first game in the SEC, and and on television, I can tell you the crowd didn't exactly blow me away and bought Hemingway, but it's the first walk through the Grove, and there's so many variables. Sure, and and, and the role that scheduling plays, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote a friend of mine that's a high school coach here in Georgia, and something that he said uh, on Twitter on Saturday he said, if I'm a Division One football coach, and my athletic director comes to me and says you're opening the season against App State, he goes I'm gonna kick him square in the balls and and retire, resign, and yeah. and he you know <laughs> he's right you know, yeah. and, and so w- when you're old Miss and you're preparing for Troy. You're glad it's not an app state, but you're also looking at a talented football team. So you walk out, you tell your kids this is going to be a fight, we're going to take over, but this is not going to be easy. And then you roll out and you you jump to a 28-3 to 3 lead in an immature locker room that's still searching for leadership, doesn't have number two standing in the corner, pulling everybody to him like they had last year. And and I don't want to give all that credit to Matt, but but there were other guys, you know, forty fours in that same locker room. Those guys are gone now. So you're in a locker room now that's looking for leadership, and it's twenty eight to three, and it's natural. I, I don't I don't care who you are until you're a professional, and even then, some professionals, it's very natural. And you take
1: the field in the second half, and all those students that were there in the first half, they're gone. They're gone. The the Grove is back open, and so are the coolers. Right, it's not- and. and and the dates were like, Hey, can we go back and get a drink? And he goes, yeah. you know, we're not losing to Troy. That's, I don't I don't want to lose any chance I've got here. So yes. Yeah, we, the, all of a sudden that
2: the, the, the environment changes, totally. the challenge feels diminished. Yes. Yeah, you sure. know, that there's there's so many things at play when it comes to scheduling. So, you know, you go back to maybe was it freezes last year when we Ole Miss opens against Florida State on the road and yeah. And it's built as a big game and then you go lose the game and it sets you back. So, so when you're, when you're Keith Carter and you're Lane Kiffin and you're you're building a schedule, it is, it's difficult because you don't know when you make the schedule, what your roster is going to be. Right. So if you set out and you say, Hey, I'm LSU, I'm going to go to Florida state and we're going to play. And then all of a sudden they're an improved Florida state team. and, And you're still trying to find your identity. It can set you back as a team. Right. Yeah. You you go into the Troy game and you're not sure who you are yet. And you jump out to a big lead and then suddenly complacency sets in to some degree. It it tells you a lot about your team. Now there's enough that you can teach off of and there's enough, you know, um, but, but it, it shows you overall, I think kind of the immaturity or the lack of experience ultimately um, that, that that Ole Miss has and, and arguably the lack of leadership. And, and obviously not being in the locker room, it's a hard thing to identify, but but that's a very real thing.
1: I think that's safe to say. Lane Kiffin's talked about it throughout the month of August and into September. I mean, he's he said it's getting better, but that it's a work in progress, and he's been frustrated with some people, and he's talked about how the transfer portal giveth, and this transfer portal also also has some issues, and so, you know, you, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's unfair to speculate right now today on September the seventh as we tape this that this team doesn't have the leadership establishment that it had a year
3: ago.
2: No and and, and you know we talked last week and and I, I praised the the culture that Kiffin and his staff have have built in terms of making it an enticing place for people to come transfer and play. The next piece to that is when they get there making sure that that the standard is set so that the leadership evolves, right? And and so I, I think some kids have the knack, right? And and so, you know, they inherited two and, and and two became that individual. And then Chance Campbell comes in from Maryland and probably was a leader at Maryland and got told Miss and realized we need one on our side of the ball. So let's go. And I don't yep. think he was the only one. I think I think, you know, Robinson and there were guys on that defensive side of the ball. Jake Um, Springer, James Worms have been
1: been over there forever. Uh, Dean Leonard kind of emerged as a leader in the secondary
2: a little bit. And then you talk about last week, we talked about the growth and development of Sam Williams, right? And so now he's a voice. And, and, And right now Ole Miss is looking for that voice. And you look at the guys outside of Otis Reese, right, and a couple other guys in the secondary. And then, you know, obviously there's a couple of guys up front that have experience and have been a part of the program and been in the system but you don't know who the voices are, you know? Um, And then there's also, there's always going to be people that talk that nobody listens to because of what they say and how they say it or how much they say, you know, so that that, that's always a tricky thing. Um, So I I think in a lot of ways, Ole Miss is looking for that voice. I think you see it a little bit in how they play, um, especially offensively as as well. Um, The defense I understand people maybe weren't happy at times with the defense. I think they went into the game with that is the most simple game plan that they will run all season long. And if it's not, it's because it will be this week. Right. Right. Um, they, they did not pressure until they wanted to or felt like they had to. And it wasn't even had to because it was a crucial moment. It was like, Hey, let's bow our neck a little bit. They literally said, we're going to play our base stuff. We're going to let our kids play fast we don't know a hundred percent what Troy is going to give us. It's a, it's a new coaching staff there. We're having to prepare for that. So let's go play ball. And, and, you know, I was looking at it earlier. I mean, in the first half, they gave up 106 yards of total offense. If my math is right. um, you, You're talking about the first six drives that Troy had were five points and or five punts and a field goal. Yeah. You, you can't start a game much better on defense. And I don't, I don't, I don't care who you're playing. I mean, in those first six drives, there was the um I think the field goal drive was an eleven play, forty-seven yard drive. They were given the ball on a short field. Statistically, you give an offense a short field, the odds of them scoring it, it jumps dramatic, you know, dramatically. So it, it took them eleven plays to gain forty-seven yards and convert a a field goal. You know, that that's that's a defense doing work, especially considering, you know. Ten tackles for loss in the game, and we just said they didn't pressure much. They literally sent three. Now, again, in crucial downs, they started. We started seeing linebackers, and and you see Coleman come in and make a couple of plays and do some things. But four sacks. Um, I think of the four sacks, I think three of them were defensive lineman. No, two were D lineman, two were a linebacker, um, according to to the Ole Miss website and some of the stats that I pulled. Ole Miss had five hits on the quarterback, four were from D and only one was from a linebacker. You know, so you're 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 generating some pressure with your three. You're you're not bringing more than four very often, and you're still limiting a, a decent offense. And so, it certainly doesn't mean that Ole Miss has has arrived and and that they're they're locked in as a top ten defense. But th- there's some evidence there. There's some things that I think that they're going to talk about as a staff and show the kids, and I'm going I'm to show a couple of those things here tonight. Um, but but for the most part, I think they have to be somewhat pleased. Offensively, um, you know, it was clear Kiffin wishes they would have been more successful throwing the football. Um, but but there were also some signs. You know, Troy was not going to let them get big shots off. No, they, they know that
1: the ball in front of them.
2: They know that offense thrives on getting shots down the field. And they weren't going to give them that. And and so they tried to force the quarterbacks to work underneath. And, um, you know, I, I think nine different guys caught a ball for Ole Miss. Yeah, that's you right. Know, that's it's pretty solid. You know, if you come out of game one where you didn't just completely empty the bench and you distributed the ball to nine different guys, including your running backs, it does show that, okay, if they're taking away the shots down the field that we want to hit, we were able to work through our progression some – did we did it generate the yardage we wanted? Maybe not as productive was, as we wanted, but it does show understanding of what, you know, of the system.
1: I thought early on, especially that was the best sign for Jackson Dart was that he wasn't locking in on a certain guy. He was taking what the defense gave him going through his progressions, dropping it off, moving the football. They were obviously going to run the football with those two super talented backs, really three. But Bentley didn't get a lot of opportunities. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about what he did later in the game. But but I thought early on that was a really good sign that, hey, we're going to spread it around. We're going to throw it to Wade. We're going to throw it to Mingo. We're going to throw it to Heath. We're going to throw it to Robinson, Henry, to I, Hague, whatever.
2: I, I thought it was a positive that it wasn't about one receiver, right? Yeah. I mean, you go back to year one and, and, and so much of it was about Elijah Moore for obvious reason, right? Um, and even you go back to times last year, early in the season before injuries, and a lot of it's about Drummond. you know okay. where you look at, at saturday and 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 I do think for a young quarterback, a takeaway is it wasn't about one guy he he was willing to distribute the ball where it needed to go um and 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 if if he's a, if you're a quarterback that they've been in your ear for two months about protect the football, find the check down that there's some comfort in that as a fan and as a coach um, because you have time to develop what's co- what's next.
1: What did you think of offensive line play? Obviously, they ran the ball well. Their pass protection was
2: they're, – they're, they're, No, the, the pass protection wasn't great um, at, at times in particular. Um, you know, Troy traditionally solid on defense, one of the better pass rushing units in that conference certainly not to be confused with with an Alabama defense or, or anything to that nature but um you know Ole Miss is going to have to show some improvement there one of the one of the best things Ole Miss has done the past couple seasons to throw the football into aid and to aid in protection has has been to use their run action um not in the traditional old school play action that that maybe people think of, but they use their run action to to create looks and and to slow down pass rush, um, particularly on first and second down. And, and so if Ole Miss can continue to run the ball with the success that they had on Saturday, you know, or anything close to it, it opens up those avenues of protection, which I think will help the offensive line. Right now I think you have to be somewhat concerned about if a team is going to line up and just bring pressure, how are, how is Ole Miss going to stand up? And and part of that is Ole Miss likes to get the back out in in the progression. They like to get five guys out and not protect with with any additional guys in protection when they can get away with it. And so you're relying not just on the offensive line, but the quarterback plays a major role. in it. Because if the defense is going to bring somebody extra, the quarterback's responsible for accounting for them and and so are these receivers that are have all come in recent to the program and so you know without without having access to the coaching film right now and really being able to break it down I know there's improvement that needs to happen in pass protection on the offensive line but it's also hard to say that it's all on them you know
1: yeah for sure um let's see you kind of want to I know you've got some stuff you want to get to we'll just kind of walk through it and I'll ask questions as we go along I'll, I'll assume the role of village idiot, which is what, well,
2: (laughs) well, the, you know, there are a few things, um, you know, kind of filled with some questions from some people on the board and, and, and through Twitter and and just some kind of general conversations and comments that I've, I've gotten from people asking my take on, on certain things. And so I kind of wanted to start, you know, offensively the ability to run the football, the guys that they're doing it with, um, have an opportunity to really be game changers. You know, we, Bentley limited carries, but look at the touchdown, right? And and you see the balance and the burst coming out of that. I mean, that was a, that was a great play. And then, you know, you 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 said it last week. I mean, Judkins is is he's the real deal. And mm-hmm. and 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 then you've got Evans, who is a potential game breaker, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you know the quarterback was effective running the football when they needed him to be at times, and so. He's a good so I, athlete, and he's a tough kid. He's a good athlete, and, and I do think, you know, I think that's one of the things that, that everybody knew and realized about Matt Corral is, is, is he, he wanted the ball in his hand, and he liked running the ball. And, and I don't think that Dart is, is necessarily the same kid, but even if you go back and you watch his freshman highlights from USC, even at late in the season when he's wearing the knee brace, he enjoys the, having the ball in his hand. Yeah. And and I think Altmire's the same way. I thought that about Luke when he was in high school. Um and and watching from, you know kind of from afar. And so I, I think I think the problem is you know where you are right now is if you have enough talent in the backfield you're going to limit the carries you give those guys but knowing that they have the ability to do it can certainly open up a lot of things. At the same time if you're old miss right now you're probably not putting a lot of carries in those kids hands until you have to. Right, you know, you, you don't want to come out against you know Central Arkansas or Tulsa and have to run the quarterback a ton to be successful because there's going to become a point whether it's Kentucky or Auburn or, or whoever where you're going to need it. So, you know, offensively, it's easy to say, hey, you know, the whole line didn't play very well, or I wasn't blown away by the quarterbacks. But if there is one true thing about the game of football, it is is individuals can make great plays. But it's never about a single individual, whether you think someone, a group, a position played poorly or you think an individual or a group played great. It, it's all about somebody else. And and so when I watched the game, went back and kind of buzzed through some things, you know, that's what I kept seeing is, is it's about continuing to gel as a unit. And so, you know, we've heard the talk about dark. Maybe forcing the football a little bit too much, and the coach is trying to get him away to it. So I wanted to kind of dive in and on the anatomy of that play. Right, look at that interception. Look at what happened. And and you and I talked a little bit before we started, and you know, said that you know it looks like a too high shell. You get a safety here that's low because Ole Miss has provided them with the tight end. So here's Trigg, hand in the ground, tight end, and then they've put a slot receiver at wing. So you've created extra gaps now you're forcing them to make safety a part of the run fit and then you get this other safety who's outside the hash is playing deep and it it presents itself like some type of a, a cover 4 look okay?
1: yeah that's why i thought it was maybe too too deep right so
2: it, it and that that's understandable you know as the play develops right and i wish the television copy i had gave me a better angle as the play develops right here from this look, what you expect is, is one of two things, okay? If it's cover four, you see both these corners have inside leverage, so they're lined up inside the receiver. Their job is going to be to take away and divide the post. They Their job, they do not want to let anything cut their face, and they want to force an outside throw. It's statistically lower probability of completion. Um, and underneath, their their help is limited. They're going to put somebody, and it may be late, to the flat. So even if it's a slant route, he's going to play a patient technique where he's losing. Just He's not going to backpedal and fly out of there. He's not going to turn his hips and go flying out of there. He's going to play what a lot of people would call a, refer to as a scooch technique where he's going to pick his back foot up, put it in the ground as fast as he can, slide his front foot and repeat that movement. And he's doing that to tempo his drop. Now, he's lined up seven yards off the line of scrimmage, eight yards off the receiver, so his depth is building him time, so he can afford patience in his technique. But he has to keep that foot in the ground so that if he gets this look, he can drive the ball. Okay? You can see his eyes are fully on this receiver, he is not worried about any threat from inside, okay, which, again, could be part of a cover four. It could also be part of a, a match. So where now you're you're telling him he but doesn't have to But in this case, this
1: cornerback, for people who don't see this, the cornerback is is out. He's on the 15-yard yeah, yeah. line. And, and the Ole Miss receiver, who I think is – I think this is Malik Heath. It,
2: it is Malik Heath, I believe.
1: He's uh, he's three yards or two yards behind the line of scrimmage at the uh, Troy 24, and the receiver is locked in. I mean, the cornerback is locked in on Heath, and his one assignment here is to not let Heath get inside the hash.
2: Correct. You you have the ball is on the left hash for the offense. Malik Heath is lined up all the way to the right. He's out on the top of the numbers. The corner, like we just said, is is several yards off. He has inside leverage and he is going to deny any inside route, and he's going to try to stay over the top of anything deep, okay? He wants to be able to break and rally up on anything underneath. Ole Miss, to that same side of the field, with, so you've got Malik Heath out wide. You have a slot who is attached to the tight end. You standing right next to the tight end like a wing, and then you have a tight end, trig with his hand in the ground like a traditional tight end position. So other than that corner, Troy has rotated this safety down so he can be part of the run fit. If they want to hand this ball to the tailback, they have to have gap responsibility. So the outside linebacker has to fit outside the tight end between the tight end and the wing, and the safety has to be there to spoke to the ball outside of that wing. Okay, He also has to have coverage responsibility. If he gets any vertical threat from the tight end or the wing, he has to be able to carry that route. That's why he's still playing seven yards off the line of scrimmage. What he's expecting is that if either of those players go to the flat, he's probably going to get help from the linebacker. One thing you can notice when you look at this, and if you have access to the visual, is both linebackers have cheated towards the tight end. Because they need one of those guys to now be responsible in coverage on that side.
1: Yeah, you know, one linebacker is almost—he's basically completely lined up over the Ole Miss right tackle, and then the the other linebacker, I guess the weak side linebacker, is lined up directly, directly right over the ball, the center, about four yards deep.
2: So that they're going to negate. Ole Miss has has three gaps on the left side of the formation. They have the A gap between the center and guard. B-gap between the guard and tackle, and then they have C-gap outside the tackle. Troy is negating those gaps. They have they have a, a nose that's right over the center. They have a defensive end that's going to be responsible for B-gap, and then they have an outside linebacker that's going to have anything to the outside. So they've negated the gaps to the weak side. But Ole Miss, while they only have three gaps weak to the strong side, you have A-gap between the center and guard, b between the guard and tackle, C now between the uh the tackle and the tight end. And because they have a tight end and a wing, you now have D gap between the tight end and wing, and then you have an additional gap outside of that. So they've had to rotate their numbers. The thing that happens here on this particular play is not only have they rotated their front, they're going to rotate the coverage. Okay. And where where Dart forces this ball, and Kiffin talked about it in his press conference, it, if he throws the ball differently, they have a chance, okay? But he he gets hung out to dry, and it goes back to my statement earlier about a lot of times it's about what the other guys do that affect your success or your failures. And so as, as I change the view, okay, for, for anybody that's visual, I, I give you a, a, a diagram of kind of how the defense is lined up. But when we look at that same diagram now um, and and the route structure that Ole Miss tries to employ, they take the four vertical concept that everybody in America runs, and now they're trying to send four receivers. So you've got Malik Heath outside the numbers, and they're going to try to push him vertical down the sideline. So we talked about that corner that was seven, eight yards off inside leverage. He's going to be forced to carry that route when you attack the strong safety with your wing you now get to create a one-on-one with him if he rotates down with the run action you find a receiver down the seam uncovered if he does not attack the run action he is still at a difficult angle because the release of the receiver forces him to get outside leverage because he he has no help outside So now when the receiver gets vertical and he is underneath and inside of that defender, it gives you a place to throw the football.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: you need indeed.
2: My, my best guess is that they're asking the tight end trig to, to take his best release and whether that is straight to the opposite hash or vertical and then bend to the opposite hash. Okay. It, it's going to have an effect on the defense because if, if he's able to execute that route, this weak side safety has to carry that route. And so in a perfect world, if you're the defense and you're standing at, the, at the, the whiteboard in your office and you've got your expo out, and you say, okay, we're good, because we've got the corner is going to run with Malik Heath to the right. The safety is going to run with the slot down the right hash. When the tight end releases, our backside safety is going to catch him. And then the other corner's locked in on the other vertical. Now you need to get help either from this outside linebacker or this inside linebacker on the tailback, and you've absorbed all the pass threats.
1: And this is but this is where from a matchup standpoint, if you're Ole Miss, you don't hate that because the matchup you're going to get is Zach Evans on a linebacker. It,
2: you don't hate it because you get Zach Evans on a linebacker, you get your slot receiver one-on-one on the safety. Um, and because you're using run action out of the backfield, because you're using what presents itself as a run heavy formation. You're also hoping that you can affect the eyes of the defense. So as I, I, you look at this shot, and this is a screenshot from a TV copy, okay, you see here comes Evans out of the backfield, working flat across the quarterback's face, showing run action, great arm fake, quarterback is square, the ball is in the tailback's mesh, so his the ball is in the belly. He is showing everything could look just like a run play. Based on the stripe of Dart's helmet, his head is straight ahead, which probably means that his eyes are on this backside safety. Okay, so that so, back so far side, so good. So far so good. Right. You can see the slot receiver is taking an outside release to go attack the safety that's to the right of the Ole Miss offense, and you see Trig releasing and having to release outside of the linebacker because of how we said earlier those linebackers had bumped over to the formation. So right now, what Dart is trying to do is put eyes on the backside safety and hold him. If Trigg can get into his route and get to the left hash, that safety has no choice but to take it. If that safety over-rotates and gets to the middle of the field too quickly, Trigg is going to bend his route underneath him. So what happens is the play action affects the linebackers, and both the receiver and the quarterback are working off the same safety. If that safety stays put, Trigg is going to stay vertical and make that safety come to him, and he's essentially sacrificing himself for somebody else. If that safety over-rotates and gets himself all the way to the middle of the field – he will bend it and cross face and be, with the late drop from the linebacker because of play action, you have an easy throw and catch to the tight end who's going to probably walk into the end zone. Well, what happens on this play and what in, what hurts dart here is as I go to the next slide, is you can see just two frames later, Trigg has been collisioned by the linebacker. And he he doesn't – so is that a bad release on Trigg's part? The alignment of the linebacker makes it hard to say it was a bad release. Okay. Is it the reaction that they want on the route? I don't know. I watched it several times to to confirm that this four vertical concept is what they were running, and I don't know for sure, but everything about it presents itself that way. So as he releases and gets collision – He almost stops, turns his chest back to the quarterback because he can't just cross-face and go underneath. So he almost tries to spin back underneath. Okay, So as you look at it, if you can see the visual, Trigg has been magnetized by the linebacker. Dart's eyes have now come off, and he is looking for the route. But the safety who has been watching Trigg's release doesn't have to worry about him right now because he's not getting threatened. So he is able to continue to get depth and get to the middle of the field. So he's a traditional free safety. He is a traditional free safety, ending up in what's essentially a cover three coverage right here where he is responsible for the middle of the field. Gotcha. So as it plays out, let me go back, as it plays out, Because the tight end's route gets held up, he doesn't hold the weak side safety. So as the strong safety collisions and carries with outside leverage, if that weak safety is not in the middle of the field, it is an easy inside seam throw. You throw the fastball, it's a touchdown. You Maybe if he's got the guy beat, you give it a little bit of air, let him run underneath it in the back of the end zone. But because of what's happened to the tight end, the safety is able to rotate. Dart is not expecting him to be there. He's identified the coverage. Maybe the ball's late. Maybe the ball's a little bit lazy. But he doesn't realize that the rotation has been able to happen, and that weak safety is able to come come over and come away with the interception.
1: So there's a lot more to it than just Dart made a
2: pick. There's a lot more to it. They're sitting in the room with him showing him he can throw a better football, but they're also sitting in the room with the rest of the offense saying, Hey, this release has to be better and and not just probably, necessarily to Trig. Like
1: yeah, it, it, probably not thrilled with Trig here.
2: Probably not thrilled with it, probably trying to give him better, better solutions yeah. um if he encounters that problem. Um, so, you know, so again, you, you look at that interception and and you can't always put it entirely on the quarterback, um, you know, Kiffin and and those guys may may say different, but um, and, and I would take their word for it because they're the ones teaching the progression and working the install. But the way that this play is typically run and manipulated, you need somebody to come hold that backside safety and they miss that here. Um, you know, the other thing that I saw a lot of people talk about outside of quarterback play was was run game. And and the ultimate truth about run game is it is about numbers. It always is, it always will be. It doesn't matter how good you are, there becomes a point where if you are outnumbered, the defense has they've got you. So if if you look at this particular play, Ole Miss started out. They had trig was to the left of the offense. Ole Miss started out in a traditional two-by-two, four-wide receiver formation, and they take the tight end who is on the left, split out as a receiver, and they motion him across the formation. So what Ole Miss is trying to do here is they're trying to gain numbers. They're now going to work a screen into the boundary. They're going to take – they already have two receivers to the right side of the formation – The outside receiver is going to take two steps and stop, and he's the receiver they have the opportunity to throw the screen to. The inside receiver is going to sort it out, and he's going to be responsible for the second defender, whoever that is. And as Trig comes in motion, he's going to be responsible for the first defender. So he's going to go cover up the screen player, and he's going to occupy the number one defender. And the, the slot receiver that's already on the right side is going to occupy the number two defender so that the outside receiver can be your screen player, okay? When you do that, typically the quarterback, there's a couple ways of teaching it. One, it can be 100% pre-snap. Does the math work in my favor where I have two blockers with two defenders or less? If it does, I'm throwing the football. There's nothing to think about. If the math is not in my favor, three defenders, and you typically would not count this safety unless he rolls down with the motion. Part of the reason, and a lot of people will look at this, and they'll say, well, why would you do that to the short side of the field? Why do you do it to the boundary? Most defenses are not going to spin and rotate a safety into the boundary because when they do, if they take a safety and spin him down to the short side of the field, they leave way too much grass for other defenders to cover. So they're going to force themselves to try and occupy that space. They're going to use the sideline as their 12th defender, and they're going to rely on that. So that's why I'll Miss, instead of running this to the wide side of the field where you're almost guaranteed to trigger some type of a rotation, they're going to do it to the short side of the field. They're playing the game of, hey, we know your rules, probably don't let you do this, so we're okay going to the this, this shorter grass because we think we're going to have the numbers advantage. So right now, as Trigg motions across, you can see, right now he sees three defenders, and maybe he's concerned about this outside linebacker, stand-up defensive end, whatever he is, because he's pretty wide, he's standing up, he's not a down traditional defensive lineman, and there's argument there that, okay, hey, maybe he fans outside and he becomes the third defender that's fairly close to the screen now. Okay? Well, as the play develops, what you see happen is he chooses not to throw the screen, and they have a zone read now with the running back. Okay, As the offensive line goes in zones to their left, right now the defense has a C-gap defender outside of the tackle on their left side. They have a B-gap defender between the guard and tackle. And then they have a nose that's almost dead over the ball, probably cheated slightly to the weak side. There's one linebacker stacked between the nose and the defensive tackle. And then there's that stand up defensive end to the right. What Ole Miss can't account for in the run game, going back to the numbers conversation, is they cannot account for this outside linebacker that is to the left of the formation outside of the box. Gotcha. There's no way. So you you look at it and you say, "Okay, if I draw a line in the what the tackle box, right? if I'm watching Sunday Football and John Madden's talking about the tackle box, he you know that defender is outside of that box area, so they're not asking the offensive line to account for him as the play develops what happens is the defensive end stays outside the d tackle goes into a gap, and this outside defender folds in, and becomes the B-gap player. So there's no way for Ole Miss to account for him in this zone run scheme. They're relying on the ball, either the quarterback making them right with the read or the ball being able to cut back away from the extra fit defender. Okay, What happens is when Dart decides he does not like, and this may even be Altmeyer in the game, when the quarterback decides here that he does not like the screen, he's now forced to read the defensive end. Well, when that defensive end slow plays and forces him to hand the ball off, now where Ole Miss is thinking we're good, we have five guys to block four guys because this fifth defender is unaccounted for, even though numbers-wise it should make sense, he's not in the fifth, so they, they, he's not in their count. So he becomes an extra defender. So they're just outnumbered. And when this defensive end has the ability to force the handoff and there's this extra fit that cuts the ball back, that end is now able to fold back. So now you're talking about six defenders with only five blockers. Um, and, And so, you know, this is one where, again, in the run game, you're trying to play the numbers game. And Troy, because of the motion, was able to add an extra defender to the run game. And it's easy on a Saturday to sit there and go, well, how did we take a two-yard loss on a run play, an inside run against Troy? We should be able to run it down Troy's throat. Well, that it's math. It's literally they can block those down linemen as well as anybody in the country, and it really doesn't matter if that kid that they can't account for fits it correctly, and he does. Now, so what changes when Ole Miss hits a big run? Exact same formation, two by two, four wide receivers. nobody's going in motion this time, okay, Now the math has changed because these receivers are lined up wider. the ball's more in the middle of the field. it's not truly on a hash anymore. Those extra outside defenders are now forced into a different technique. They can no longer be fold in players, and part of it is the coverage that they're choosing to play. They're playing a cover three defense here. So this guy is being asked to force any outside run to his side. So the outside linebackers, they're going to force any outside run, try to turn it back in. But if they get a pass read, they have to work curl to flat. They've got a safety in the middle of the field and the corners are going to bail and they're going to play their third. Okay. If you look at it and you do the math, you've got the four down linemen, one linebacker in the box, that's five, six, seven with the two outside overhangs, eight, nine, ten. There's another safety you can't see that's deep, so they're probably going to spin this guy down to replace a linebacker and become an extra curl defender, okay? So what ends up happening here for Ole Miss, they've now found a way to create the numbers that they want. They can take the same run scheme that they just ran And because they've eliminated extra defenders by formation, this turns into a 20-something yard gain for the tailback. They're going to work their zone, and they work their wide or mid zone, where they're going to try to press this outside angle and stress the defense so that they can now get to him, and they're going to let the quarterback be responsible for him. Because now it's five on five. Now it's five on five. It's even five on four at this point. And with the back taking a wider path, he's now able – he has multiple lanes of departure, and either one there's holes defensively. Now, when you talk about the RPO game that's such a prevalent part of football now and the role that it plays, they put every receiver on a hitch on both sides of the formation. So now everybody's got a hitch. So these outside defenders now have to be responsible for the throw game. And now you have limited the number of run defenders that are available for the defense. One of the biggest things about this play is not the design. It's not, and this is where we can talk about Trigg, but Trigg played a major role in this being an explosive play. When Evans takes the ball and makes his cut and it gets to the right side where Trigg is lined up as the slot receiver, he runs the same hitch route every other receiver runs. As soon as he recognizes the ball was not thrown, it's been handed off, he turns and is able to get a piece of that that overhang defender that allows Evans to get back outside where eventually the safety tracks him down down downfield. So, you know, that – piece of the RPO game is very important where you have to have receivers understand the ball's not thrown. It's been handed. I need to go play a part in the run game now. Um That was good awareness and good effort by Trigg there. Um So, you know, while the kid might have aided in the interception by Dart, he played a big role in this, this big game by Evans. So, you know, it it, it goes both ways when, when you look at those things. Um. You know, this slide was clearly out of order. It's what I was trying to show you earlier and was confused about about where it was. Um, you know, defensively, you talk about Ole Miss, I already told you I think that they had a good performance and there's not yeah. a ton I want to touch on. But constantly when we talk about defense, we talk about eyes and we talk about communication. So, you know, Ole Miss took a very similar approach, honestly, than, than Troy did. They weren't going to let things get over the top of them. Um, they they played a lot of zone coverage. They were not exotic in what they were doing with their front, but there were some things that you can see. So when you teach pass drops to underneath defenders, to linebackers, safeties that have spin down, there's kind of three different ways that most people teach it, okay? One is what's called the spot drop. And if you played in a – Defense in the 90s or 80s in high school, you were probably taught the spot drop. Coach said I had the curl. That means I turn and I run to the hash, and I'm 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, and I sit on that hash, and anything that comes to me is mine. There are teams that still use it. There's a place for it in football. It it can still be effective. Okay. There's also what a lot of people would refer to as match drops. So now instead of I'm going to turn and run to the curl – What the match tells me is I'm going to turn and find the receiver, and I'm going to adjust to his release. So if he's running vertical, I may get 10 yards to the hash. If he's running something short, I'm going to level off and accept it and and try to pass it off. You look here at this clip by Ole Miss, and what you see is there are four underneath coverage defenders. You have two guys on the outside that have their hips are facing in, they're looking to catch any crossing routes. They have to expand with anything that's taking them wide with width. Okay. And then you have the the two linebackers. But when you look at this picture, Neil, what do you notice about all four of those defenders?
1: Well, the two outside guys are completely turned inside. They're all watching the quarterback is what it appears to be.
2: All their eyes are in the backfield. So that's, that's where the third element comes, where guys are going to work what some people call vision drops they're working, based, they know how many receivers. Hey, there's three receivers to my right, so I'm going to play on a string. We're all going to release and drop towards the right. We're going to read the quarterback's eyes. If his eyes come back left, I have to come back left, and I'm going to be able to react to the ball. Okay, And when, when you have long athletic defenders, it's it's a great way to really cloud up the picture for a quarterback on underneath routes. And, and that certainly looks like what Ole Miss is doing here. The problem is, and, and, and maybe this plays part of it too, Oh, Miss is rushing four on this down, and I don't recall the down on distance. But if you look at it, you could argue that three of the four defenders they've rushed are creating pocket pressure. It, you you that's have one defender sure. that,
1: Yeah, two for that, sure right there. Two
2: for sure, right? You've got one that's come off the edge and has turned the corner – has forced the quarterback to step up in the pocket and he's trying to work the hump and get to him. You have, you know, a, a defensive lineman that has taken an inside move on what I'm guessing is a guard and is winning and is about to put his face to the quarterback's chest. You have another uh end from the other side who's taken an inside move and it looks like they're working a pass rush stunt here. Okay? But he's taken an inside move where he's captured now two two blockers and he is now working them back into the pocket. So right now you're talking about a guy that's coming from the backside forcing the quarterback to step up, a guy that's taking an evasive move to the inside and is in the quarterback's face, and another guy that is pushing the pocket from the middle and forcing it to collapse. What you need now is for him to come around and give you the fourth wall, right, to box him in. But part of what you can see is, is all four of these underneath the def- defenders are reading the quarterback. They've cleared out the safeties with some type of a vertical route, and now Troy has this drag or crossing route coming right behind all those linebackers, and they complete this for one of their bigger gains at this point in the game. And so, but it, but it, it stood out to me. Is Ole Miss looking at this saying he's about to get sacked and so I don't continue to climb and get depth? I don't get my eyes back inside to find the crosser? Because when you're playing with that hip angle, I, I'm expecting him to now look to catch any crosser. These guys are going to play underneath it, and as he comes across, because there's no threat for him outside, he's going to get depth and he's going to be able to catch that ball coming from the other side. Right. Okay. So what the the wonder is, is it youth? Is it an experience? Is it first game? What is it? Is it, oh, he's about to get hit. I'm lackadaisical maybe in my coverage responsibility. Is it bad eyes where I'm locked in here, but the reality is because I haven't been threatened, I should be getting depth and looking to catch a crosser. Those are the things that they're probably trying to clean up from a coverage standpoint in the meeting room. Okay. The other one, and this goes to to Troy's only touchdown, and this is right before the ball snap, Troy comes out, they put a tight end on the right, and they put three receivers bunched up to the left. Fairly common to see bunch receivers like this on the goal line, short yardage situations, but you can see as this still shot is taken pre-snap, Ole Miss is clearly trying to figure out and communicate what they're going to do. You have one guy that appears to be pressed, his eyes are inside, You have a safety that is screaming, looks like he's trying to get help from a linebacker, either to pull him out of the blitz and get him into coverage because they need him to play the coverage technique there or to get everything checked because he knows they're outnumbered. So as a result, they have a third defender who's trying to come race to the party and now become part of the coverage. So as the play develops, you can see the the linebacker that the safety is trying to pull into coverage has remained in the pressure. The safety that came from the middle of the field and was sprinting to try to get there and help, he's now in bad position. Because right now, if I were guessing, the technique that they're trying to play is some type of a box technique where he's going to take the outside receiver or anything to the flat. He's going to take the point receiver or the first thing that is vertical. And they're expecting somebody to catch any inside releasing route. Because of the poor communication, the late communication, however you want to label it, as this safety goes running out there late, he is in poor position to catch this slip route that comes underneath. And what Troy essentially does is they push a guy vertical here, outside here, and they essentially become blockers. And as this guy comes underneath and is able to go past the safety, He's wide open for a touchdown.
1: Yeah, it looks like Ashim Young is just not in position to make a play, unless the play yeah. goes outside. If, if he goes under him, he's
2: – if, if he goes under him, he, he's completely out but of And then on, the, on so, the bottom
1: so, side, you've got, you've got more chaos over here.
2: On the bottom side, you have a defender that's man-to-man on the running back, and then you have a defender that's man-to-man on the tight end. If, if I were guessing, if they're going to lock or ice those defenders – they probably would have preferred to have the guy that's on the tight end a little bit more over the top. Typically, if one's going to play outside the tight end and one inside the tight end, those two guys are going to play some type of IO, which means inside out or alert, where now they have the ability to switch those guys off. And that's and essentially what they've created with the formation. It's a heavy man-to-man situation. It's a heavy pressure situation. You're going to try to get the ball out of your hand quickly. The quarterback is able to easily identify pre-snap. They've got two for my two to the right, but they're in chaos to the left. And all he does is buy himself just enough time to get the ball out. And he takes a shot. The helmet rolls, the whole thing. Um, But because of the chaos in the secondary, it, it doesn't matter. So hopefully Ole Miss can kind of get some of those things cleaned up. Um, you know, next week when they're they're playing, um, field from hell. It's it's awful. It's it. it I'm not going to say it's the worst in college football because Eastern Washington, I, I think, is is pretty bad. But you
1: can't see it. This is Central Arkansas field. there in Conway, Arkansas, and they've got the big purple bear right at midfield. The they have alternating purple and I guess some sort of a tan.
2: The thing is, I think it's gray, but it does not look gray on television, and it, it does not doesn't. look gray under the lights. It, I, it, it looks it's the most beautiful, even
1: if it's the most beautiful shade of gray. What in the hell are you thinking? It's it's
2: um. I don't mind the bear, the big purple bear is kind of nice, but the rest of it is a disaster. You were thinking be unique, and they certainly accomplished that. <laughs> they so do that. It is a very good purple bear. It, it is. It, listen, if if you're into the Purple Bears, I mean, you know, it's, it's the best Purple Bear I've it, ever seen. If 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 somebody can find Rebel and and dye <laughs> the hair, I mean, it's it's the same look, right? Yeah, so, yeah. a little bit um, ferocious. <laughs> but uh, you know, so I, I'm curious with Central Arkansas, they're going to play Ole Miss different defensively than Troy did. Um, they're not as talented as Troy was. Uh, offensively, they actually do some things that are similar to what Ole Miss wants to do but they jump back and forth between being similar to Ole Miss to being a little bit more like what we saw out of Troy, playing with an extra tight end or two and doing some different things. So I'm curious to see offensively how that plays out. I would expect another very simple game plan from the Ole Miss defense. Um, As far as UCA's defense, they're a a 3-4 defense that they they will take some risk on the back end. And if, if you can see the picture I'm showing now, you will see that they are essentially playing man-to-man defense right now to the wide side of the field, and both defensive backs are playing 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And if if you're going to give Ole Miss the ability to just pull up and throw that ball to any of their receivers, it is really a negative situation for Central Arkansas. But they're doing it so they can keep seven guys committed to the run game, right? So – De facto, I think you're going to see Ole Miss run the ball of success, period. The personnel they have versus who they're playing, it is what it is. But if if they're going to choose to be box heavy to stop the run, I do think you'll see some more production out of the passing game. I don't know if it's going to be downfield production, but you're going to see more production if they're going to give you looks like this. The other thing that I would see as I, as I watch through this game some is, is a little bit different looking. So now if you see it, they're playing more of a a cover one man-to-man type structure. Again, they're box heavy. They have, you know, seven defenders in the box. They're playing man-to-man on the three receivers that, that, uh, that Missouri State presents. And they're pressing the single receiver into the boundary. And that's a matchup Ole Miss is going to like, regardless of who they have out there. You know, we talk about hand-raised guys
1: a lot. Somewhere in the meeting in Conway – when they were designing this
2: field somebody had to raise his or her hand to go no
1: well this is a bad idea
2: somebody somebody might have <laughs> um and and somebody else said what nobody else has it we're going to be able to recruit the best ASUN athletes to conway it's a beautiful town it's where my sister got her grad school degree you know so uh, I, I, I'm I'm like sure I like conway i like
1: conway when we go visit the girls we stop in conway all the time we found Multiple places in Conway that we enjoy. This is not slamming Conway, Arkansas at all. It's it's actually have grown to like Conway. But this... I'm
2: disappointed you haven't gone and taken a family picture on the field. <laughs> this is a bad idea. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, for their sake, I wonder if there's a hand raised guy in the staff room that's going to say, "Should we really press Malik Heath and Jonathan Mingo?" <laughs> Um, should we really play our corners and safeties ten yards off with very little underneath
1: help? You know, you know, Pete, what's happening in that room is okay, they're paying us what? Yes. Right, that's gonna fund what? Okay, yes. cool. That's just that, that, that is
2: that is a very real conversation that's taking place in that meeting room. And and so So in all
1: seriousness, let me ask you this what what do you as a coaching staff at Ole Miss? You're winning the game. You know that, that period. I have so much appreciation for Lane Kiffin calling this an exhibition game. I do. He's an NFL guy. He comes from an NFL background. He coached in the NFL. His dad coached in the NFL for, like, forever. So I, I appreciate that. At the same time, he knows, hey, we're three weeks away from Will Levis. Will Levis is going to be a different kind of a test. Kentucky, defensively, is going to be a different kind of look. I mean, I'm not... take. We'll talk about Georgia Tech next week, but I don't think Georgia Tech can beat Ole Miss. I don't think Tulsa can beat Ole Miss. Uh, Once you get into October, and let me make sure I'm clear here then I communicate this correctly, I think Ole Miss can beat a lot. of. Frankly, I think Ole Miss can beat every team on its schedule not named Alabama. But there are other teams like Kentucky, Auburn, Texas A&M, LSU, Ole Miss, Miss, I mean, Arkansas, Mississippi State, that that can beat Ole Miss if everything falls down their, their way. So you, you've you got some time where you're trying to get ready for games. What do you try to get out of a game like this one against central Arkansas to help you get ready for those games down the road?
2: There, there's some coaches discretion there and, and, and knowing your locker room and knowing, knowing your kids and what you need. There's a balance to here's what we know we need to work on. Let's go get better at it. Hey, here's what we know we don't want to put on film yet. So let's protect it and knowing at what point does the risk outweigh the reward, right? If we know we're going to do this and we know we need to do it to be successful. And right now we don't have a whole lot of faith in our kid to do it. Let's go give him a bunch of live reps against the team where he can experience success. How much does that set us back in October when it is on film and, and it is part of our tendencies now. And, and so that, that's the conversation and that's, that's the ultimate decision that that Kiffin and his staff have to make is, is okay, defensively, we're going to be able to play our base stuff and we're going to be fine for at least one more week and maybe next week Tulsa presents some different challenges and we start working some more things. Um, but the reality is on the defensive side of the ball, they may spend 60% of their week working calls that they are very unlikely to call in the game. And they're not working it for Central Arkansas. They're working it for down the road. Yeah. And that's not to say offensively they won't be doing the same thing. But the question is, if you're not satisfied with the downfield passing game, how much are you sitting there going, okay, guys, let's pull the curtain back. Let's see how the kid reacts. And and that goes not just for Altmaier and not just for Dart, but for the receiving core and the offensive line. And so um, that that's the question that the coaching staff has to have. They have to have an answer for. It's
1: really interesting stuff because these games are – for a coaching staff, are, are weird because you you know you're winning. Like you said, there's stuff you don't want to put on film, and yet you want to get work in. you And and look, I'm taking Lane at his word. When he's starting Altmyer on Saturday, he's wanting to still make a decision at quarterback. So he wants to look at these two guys. I personally think he's made the decision, and this is sort of validation and, and rewarding Altmyer for putting up a hell of a fight. I could be completely wrong. It's just my opinion. But starting next week with Georgia Tech, it starts to starts to get real. Georgia Tech played Clemson well for a little while. And um you gotta go to Atlanta and play them and it's a different a different challenge, and then Tulsa's a, a solid program and you'll have to you have to put a performance on the field to beat them and then after that, like we talked about, other than Vanderbilt. And nothing against Clark Lee, I just don't think they're ready to we'll see Saturday, but I I don't think they're there yet. Yeah. The other seven games, there's games in that group that I think Ole Miss can win, should win, maybe probably will win, but there's no gimmies, so you've got a little bit of time to get, get it straight.
2: I think Lane knows that if Ole Miss can continue to develop and grow with the offensive line spot, their skill is good enough, and they're going to be able to game plan people enough to create some things. That's that's what he does. Um, but it's going to come down to, to how well does the offensive line play, and defensively, can they continue to get off the field and, and generate plays, you know, generate turnovers? But your eyes are on the offensive line. I, yeah. And, and that's not to say that I think that they were a disappointment or a letdown necessarily on Saturday. I, I just think that ultimately we, we know that there's talent in the backfield. Um, and, and if you're talking about a young quarterback that you've got to develop, it's, it's what does his offensive line give him? You know, yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think, not not as much as an indictment on the offensive line and, and how they've played as much as it is just the reality that that a young inexperienced quarterback or limited experience quarterback needs great offensive line play to be great and in this league that's it's imperative
1: it's Ole miss versus central arkansas 6 p.m on saturday we'll have post-game coverage at uh mpw digital chase parham will uh Start a stream pretty quickly right after the game. I'll join, so will Jeffrey Wright, so will Brian Rippey. He'll take some calls. Uh, Ole Miss in Central Arkansas. Next week we'll be back uh, with Pete's Pigskin Preview. We'll preview Georgia Tech. Ole Miss heading to Atlanta to play uh, the Yellow Jackets. That's a 2.30 game Central Time in Atlanta on ABC. Don't forget this show is brought to you each and every week by Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. You also can uh, take care of their ta- of your tailgating needs with uh, their family and friends bundles, their tailgate platters. Order online at walkons.com or on their super convenient walkons app. And if you're in the Jackson area, stop in Ridgeland. And if you're in Oxford this weekend, make walkons a part of your weekend as you enjoy Ole Miss and Central Arkansas. Pete, thanks for the time. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. Until then, for Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.